0: This week Father Paul explains that zera is the same whether it's a plant or a tree or a fish or an animal or a human being. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as literature podcast Tarazi Tuesdays. In verse 17 of chapter 4 you have a very interesting statement after God's having assigned Aaron to be the prophet of Moses. And then you have 17, and you shall take in your hand this rod with which you shall do the signs. One more time, again and again and again, and I hope that my listeners would give in to that. Otherwise, they think that God is dealing with the twin cities of Minneapolis and Saint Paul, and they look around and see the buildings and then they say hallelujah. It doesn't work like that in scripture. God is always the shepherd, and his assignees are the shepherds. And you need only to reread, I used to say once a week, now I would recommend once a day, chapter 34 of Ezekiel, to settle this once and for all and not follow. All Queen Elizabeth II, and her Golden Carriage, and so on. It's silly, but this is, as I coined it lately, it's the NATO Theology. We are all children of the NATO Theology. But that's not scripture. Fortunately, I used to say, unfortunately, now I'm upgrading it to fortunately. And then this is pushed. In verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law. Now, if you go back to chapter 3 verse 1, you meet for the first time Moses as being the ro'e of the son of Jethro, his father-in-law. Very important, I think this is much more important than all the The silly jargon about EHO IMI O'ON from the Septuagint, about which I commented. So, Moses bids uh, farewell and takes the permission of Jethro, who sends him in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. Okay, we have met this encounter. So Moses takes his wife, his sons, and one more time, and in his hand, Moses took the rod of God. It cannot be more forceful than that. It's not only a repetition, but the stress again, that God leads His people as a shepherd does, in the Syrian wilderness of those times. I need to repeat that time and again. You know, you cannot have someone sitting in a pew, in a heated church in Minneapolis in February and imagining that he is a member of the flock of God. As people like to hear and imagine themselves. I'm a, a sheep in the flock of God and you're sitting on the heated pew in a church in Minneapolis in February. It's impossible. So please, let's hear Scripture as much as possible and then, you're going to do miracles, impressive deeds, which I have put in your power, but in Hebrew again, it's the hand. Hand is expressive of power, we have it in all languages, but it's important again to hear the original, and I shall harden his heart. Here we have the other verb besides kibed, which is hazak. I will make it hard. And then you shall say to Pharaoh, let's listen to that, please. Israel is my firstborn son, Bukor very important word, that applies to the firstborn and the first fruit at the same time. Here again, you know, the split in English between firstborn and first fruit, creates a reality that is not scriptural because technically, remember in scripture, everything is propagated through the seed, whether the human being or the animals or the plants, everything revolves around the Zera, the seed. Very important. And then you have the threat that already looks ahead to what we refer to as the 10th plague, the ultimate one. Anyone who has read the Exodus, even for the first time, notices that the plagues prior to the slaying of the firstborn of Egypt are just in preparation. It's like upping the ante, if you like, until you get to the real punishment at the end. And I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me, my son, which is Israel. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your firstborn son. In other words, you will be eliminated. And I have a quote now, one out of many, from Jeremiah thirty-three seventeen, where we hear, For thus says the Lord David, shall never lack a man to sit on the Throne of the House of Israel. And in Hebrew, it's interesting, shall not be cut off a man from the Throne of the House of Israel. And this perpetuity, you know, here again I cannot help but repeat, myself. We are platonic. We imagine that we have a soul that is eternal or at least immortal and doesn't matter if I die or do not die. I mean then why do you start weeping when someone dies? It's not because you lost that someone. It's because that someone is gone. That's it. Scripture speaks about the resurrection of the bodies, not the resurrection of the souls. But a body to be functional, has to have a breathing, in a fish. And that is very important to remember. That's why at birth, the real struggle of the one who is born, is to start breathing. If it doesn't breathe, then it is not an aphish. So it doesn't mean that the soul already existed at conception, as I hear in all the discussion today about when and how. This is Platonic philosophy. It has nothing to do even with reality. You have to have an fish haya, and you become thus at birth. You cannot be thus before birth, period. Now, I don't want to argue about the decision of the court and so on. I'm not interested in that. I'm trying to channel to my hearers the ethos of scripture. To understand scripture, you have to immerse yourself in the scriptural world. That is a historical fiction created by the authors, but at least... It has a basis in reality. Which is the reality as you experience around you? One more time, Zera is the same whether it's a plant or a tree, or a fish, or an animal, or a human being. The Zera is Zera. And thus ultimately the punishment is your elimination not personally, individually, but through your progeny. And I refer very often to that Psalm 45, which is silly, suddenly you're talking about the wedding of the King. Why should you have a Psalm about the wedding of the King? It's because at the end of it, you have the reason of how David or the King, whoever he is, will remain in the future. This is how it ends, and I like this psalm, because it stresses this. Instead of your fathers, the last two verses of 45, Instead of your fathers shall be your sons. Notice, you are squeezed between your fathers and your sons, which means you are just a bridge. You are not an eternal being standing on its own ground. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be celebrated in all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. The name would be the way you hear today, the family name. So your personal name in the Bible as it should be today, and you have to teach the people around you, is immaterial. And this is what kills me. In the United States, the coach asks you, Bassam, what is Bassam? It's an Arabic name. Spell it for me so that I could pronounce it correctly, because that's your name, and then slowly on they start calling my son Bassam, Sam. And Bassam tells them, no, I'm not Sam, I'm Bassam. But Bassam, because he was born here, he's not aware that in the Middle East, everyone of the Tarazi family, can you imagine forcing yourself to remember all the first names of all your cousins? It's an impossibility. So we make it short in the Middle East. You refer to someone of the Tarazi family, as a Tarazi son, the son of the Tarazis, and to the girl, the daughter of the Tarazis. That's it, which means you are a Tarazi. Your first name is not important, because the reality is in the Zera. Friends, I cannot say this enough, but you know me. I just don't trust my hearers, that's why I keep repeating myself. And that is very important and it will allow us to go more quickly over the so-called plagues, one after the other. Because ultimately they are functional. It's God through Moses and Aaron threatening Pharaoh And, if he does not get the message, then ultimately he will destroy his firstborn son and the firstborns of all the Egyptians, you know. And we will see later this importance of the blood and so on, on your doors and to be protected from the angel of death and so on. So please, I beg you, do a little bit more than your best to understand what the text is leading you towards and only from this perspective one can understand this impossible text is so silly that people don't know what to make out of it because they hear it from a bar in southern Minneapolis while sipping their beer German beer it, it, it doesn't work, friends. Please, don't help me out. Help the yet unborn generation out. Understand what I'm saying? Take notes! And learn Hebrew and forget about the rest. You have this episode that appears out of the blue. Read the commentaries. I mean, it's it makes you puke. They are trying to figure out what happened. Well, the Hebrew, I say it's very clear. People make fun of me. But again, notice the end of 25. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood. Hatan, we have it also in Arabic. Hatan, the meme. Okay, and Hatan is the bridegroom. That's the word we use in our Orthodox services when you refer to Jesus as the bridegroom. And. It is related to procreation. You have someone who is the bridegroom, his wife is the bride and as I keep repeating, the bride in the Middle East until today ceases to be a bride, when she gives birth and thus she becomes a mother. Okay, I know that's why the teenagers in North America dislike me because the teenage girls are immaterial, and with them also the teenage boys. But let's hit the girls here, because the man remains a man, but the woman changes when she gives birth. She's no more a bride, she becomes mother and in the Middle East, the most respectful way to address the woman is that she is the mother of her firstborn. Okay, usually it's the male, but let's say that a woman gives birth to a girl at the beginning. They call her the mother of that girl until she gets a son. It's the birth giving that is important because in the animal kingdom, this is how the zera continues. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.